Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Phil Donaldson continues our series of messages on the book of Ecclesiastes. Today, looking at chapter 3 and verse 16 through chapter 5 and verse 7. And now, here's Phil. I'd like you to turn to your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going through the book of Ecclesiastes together on this, at this time. Some of us are studying it in our uh, midweek studies. And uh, this morning we come to uh, chapter 3 and we'll be covering and doing the readings for the uh, various sections of this, uh, uh, this, these chapters together. It just, it's my earnest prayer that as we gather to uh, be in the presence of the Holy Spirit before His Word, that each of us would respond to His message for us, that we would humbly receive it and apply it, all that we learn in Him uh, to our lives. At the Kid Meth site, where I worked for many years, there, there was a complex and fast process for smelting copper concentrate into anode copper at that stage, uh, required for the next steps in its refining to a pure copper. The various furnaces operated continuously with no storage in between, which was a novel uh, kind of treatment process in those days. In the early early days of uh, trying to run that uh, uh, smelter, the, uh, there were many sampling points. There were dials and valves and cameras and buttons whereby the the operators would make manual changes in these processes for regular control and for the best possible output of product. It was very difficult for them to react quickly enough with the right adjustments to make the possible, the best possible 24-7 production that they were uh, given to do in their work. Uh, to improve what, the, what they were doing, some process control engineers like uh, our brother Eve built models that would record what the current state was, and then they would use that information to forecast what the results would be downstream in the furnaces. Where operator intervention was required, they designed a supervisory model to combine all the known factors into a happy face chart. A very simple thing, but it was very powerful in this very complex uh, challenge of controlling those uh, three or four furnaces. The happy faces on the slide you can see on the left were, this isn't the exact one, I tried to find it but I didn't in my records, but there, the, there was a smiling face uh, to the left in green and one on the right which was red. Of course green meant things are good, you're doing the best possible uh, that you can do with the tools in front of you and the red of course was a state of emergency where you had to act quickly to keep the molten copper from falling on the floor or exploding on the floor is a better word. King Solomon was trying to take all of the complexities he saw in his life and to equip us with his learnings, both positive and negative, many of them from the negative side of that equation. It would help us set our minds prepared and equipped for the choices that we have to make in, in this life and be able to react quickly to the new things that come to us where we have to act in wisdom and in the knowledge of God in a way that will make our lives uh, 
seeking and and uh, and doing the best possible with the situations that we face. Our questions for this morning is this: What steps do we take along the wisdom walkway? Our songs dealt with the Christian walkway. I, I love that. That will keep us on the best possible directions. And if you imagine this pathway with a number of stones along the beginning of the path, and then you see a fork in the walkways, that's what we're talking about today. What are the what are those initial foundational stones along that walkway that equip us in wisdom uh, to allow God to work with us along those those uh, possible chosen directions we make? Before us this morning, there are five of those areas, those foundation stones that uh, have a title to them that will help us along our paths as we look at them together. The first, there's five of them. The first is dust to dust with a question mark. The second is oppression and evil. The third is on being alone. And I have a story prompted by uh, Tim's uh, talking about uh, uh, t- uh, Kingsley Horton, Horton. Some of us called us King, used to call him Kingly Horton, and uh, I'll, I'll, don't let me forget that story. Uh, the fourth one we know very little about is this: the question of kingship. But we'll make applications to our lives on that one. And then, importantly, and our brother Eve covered it a fair bit last in his talk: uh, our mouths and bows. So let's uh, begin with dust to dust and beyond with a. I'm not sure we'll have time to read all of the chapters and verses, so keep your uh, Bibles open to these uh, particular uh, segments of the, these chapters so that you can uh, follow along. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I thought in my heart, God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activement, both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity. And God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Man's fate is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Man has no advantage over the animal. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust. To dust all return. Who knows if the spirit of man rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better for a man than to enjoy his work, because that is his lot. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? Is Solomon really saying that there is no teaching, that there is no difference between humans and animals? Many in our society and culture today believe that and live according to that fundamental premise. So that's the apparent problem that confronts us in this in this first uh, uh, working stone. Remember, in our uh, in our introduction, we talked about needing to interpret all of this book uh, as according to whether Solomon is speaking from the lens of the uh, under the sun or with God under the sun, and it's a very uh, thing that you have to be careful as you read through these, and we'll try and do that together. This apparent problem is resolved because we know that even Solomon taught that uh, and understood that God had written eternity into the hearts of men. We saw that verse last week. So this follows that, and so we know that he, he understands it. And so that so when we read this chapter, we understand that Solomon was speaking as if 
he was addressing people who are under the sun living without God. So that resolves the apparent problem that's there for us, uh, that there is eternity written in the hearts of men and not the animals. And we are, we are more than the animals. We're like them in some ways, but we are unlike them in the sense that we have written in our create at the time of uh, we were made in our hearts. God has infused in us a knowledge of the eternity and it's, it's, and that we are eternally destined people. Uh, so in his observations under the sun, he observed that wickedness is in the place of justice. Not all was good in his world either. All should live in light of the judgment of God for everything thought and done is what he was proclaiming in, in his very simple kind of ways. And it's also true as we read these observations that God allows choice for every man and every woman uh, and they're free to make their own choices. Uh, and part of Solomon's work was to point out to us their outcomes in life when they refuse him. When they live with the premise that they are no different than the animals. And look at people who adopt that philosophy and just it may serve them well for a little period of time, but as time goes, to, goes on, uh, you can quickly observe how they end up in their, in their thinking. And, uh, and also, when, when they, God allows them to uh, do their own living, and when they, when they think that they cannot know whether there is a future for people, uh, outcomes are provided as well by Solomon, and they're not very uh, pretty pictures there or in our lives and experience either. And who can, he closes that section with saying, and who can change their mind or inform them? And he says the best uh, people can do under the sun with no God is to do their toil, do their work, and, and try and be happy with it without God. And it's a sad, sad uh, story, and these are difficult chapters to read. What I've tried to do in my talk then is to also uh, put forward the, some of the rest of Scripture in very uh, quick form to say that Solomon lays out the negative and his life was a disaster. Uh, what we're trying to do is uh, also demonstrate the truth that he hints at it different ways, but we have in, in fullness and reality in our lives. Listen to these words. He taught Solomon was aware of it. God is in heaven. He has written eternity into the hearts of all. Jesus said, for God so loved the world. We know the verse well. He came to bring eternal life beyond the grave, beyond human conditions here, and into a, uh, into a living hope of the future that Christians uh, can enjoy and live by uh, in their lives. And again, some great songs uh, along that line. The Apostle Paul wrote, The gift of God is eternal life in the book of Romans. So we know these verses. I just want to uh, point them out. On the slide is a picture of my mother and father's grave. I visit it often to be thankful uh, that the uh, wisdom from uh, bringing me into the world, first, of course, and, and uh, secondly, to being eternally thankful for the, uh, they, not only they're bringing me here, but teaching me about e the scriptures and eternity and our hope of it where they are now, uh, where they are now. <clears throat> the next, uh, Stepping stone comes from Solomon's observations of all the oppressions and evil that occur under the sun. We can spend all day on this. We all grieve about it every day. We watch the news. Particular focus is the, is the 
uh, Ukrainian situation, but there are so, so many others that are just uh, uh, devastating and difficult and oppression and evil reigns in so many different people's hearts. And when it's in the hands of the powerful, that uh, brings great devastation, not only on individuals, but on the nations as a whole. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been, who has not yet seen the evil that is under the sun. And I saw that all labor and all achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Again, under the sun, that is what gets described. The fool holds his hand and ruins himself. But then his concluding part on this one is better than the last one, I think, where he says, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. In that uh, image on this slide, the, uh, I was looking at uh, some of these uh, pictures of uh, images of uh, oppression of nations in the, on the website and came across this one. I believe it was from the Ukraine. I can't be sure, but it was a scene of starving people reaching up for food that just arrived. And uh, oppression without comfort, at least insufficient comfort, for them to find a path through all of this difficulty in their lives. And uh, Solomon's w- words echo, it's better to be born than not to live in that kind of a world without God. With God, we'll talk about that in a few few moments. It's unfortunate to me, as reading the book of Solomon, studying his life, that he didn't pay more attention to his own father's wisdom. Uh, he, he could have learned so much if he would have lived by what his father taught him and wrote about in the book of Psalms. I just want to quote from one psalm. I don't think it was written uh, by King David, but it was part of his collection. In Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And when Jesus was talking to his disciples just before he went to the cross, he, he, he told it like it was and how it was going to be. He did not come to erase trouble and tribulation in the world because he gave people that choice to live as they as they choose. But he told, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I love that image of the lighthouse. Uh, turbulent uh, weather comes and it comes to us all. We have the lighthouse that, that guides us through when we trust our lives and hearts to God. He is there for us in, in the times of trouble. I noticed in Psalm 46 and verse 1, it's, the verse says, God is our refuge and strength always. He is always present with us. But maybe I'm over-interpreting the verse. But then it says, God is a very present help. A very present help when you're in trouble. And uh, we can all appreciate his presence when we are with us in those difficult times. Jesus says, in trouble, come to me. He is very, very present in the times of oppression and difficulty. The third one, uh, the, the third important wisdom area before us is the, is, is something that is a desperate problem in our current culture and life. It's been exacerbated, I would suggest, by the, by the COVID world that has driven us a lot more into lonely living. And the subject that Solomon addresses is being alone or what? 
just want to give you one example of this. Uh, my friend, uh, our friend, Kingsley Horton. Uh, I was in charge of S- South American operations for our, our technology group. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, our manager there passed away instantly. And I had to spend a fair bit of time down in, in Santiago in particular, where our office was. And uh, one day, a fr- it was a Friday afternoon, I was uh, walking down, uh, walking from our office to my hotel uh, home <laughs> in those days a lot. And uh, I was lonely. I got the whole weekend ahead. And uh, uh, my buddy that was there all the time has now passed away. And I was walking down past, I think it was the Fleur uh, office building, uh, just near our hotel, and I see Kingsley. I'm across the kitty corner across the road, and I see Kingsley Horton walking out of, of uh, his, the office building. I didn't know he was there. We had lost detailed touch uh, during that period. But with my outside voice, as we tell our grandchildren, uh, keep it outside, I yelled, Kingsley Horton! And he turns. And uh, I re- he, he saw me. He knew who, at least he knew who, where the voice came from, and I ran across the street and we had a big hug. And so that was a, just a brief time. He was actually heading home that weekend, so I didn't get a chance to spend more time with him. But he pointed me to a Christian church that he was attending when he was spending those kinds of long days in, in uh, Santiago. And I went there for every time from then on when I was down, uh, uh, uh for, because of his leading and guiding. and You're never alone. God. I'll just leave it there for now. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content, content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless and miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Uh, in this area, in this in this. Uh, topic that he's dealing with, Solomon, uh, is basically telling us that being alone is not the best. And on the image at the top, he was, an al- he was an alone person. He had destroyed all of his relationships. It's lonely at the top, even without the mess he made of being at the top. Uh, but uh, he, he's writing, he's seemingly writing for his observations of other people. But I get the strong sense that he was very much alone in his life at this time in his age, age and stage. And he concludes that better is to be, better is to be and work together. Life is fleeting. And that's a fairly, well, I don't have to expand that further. It's quite clear. If two are working together, it's, uh, um, many hands make light work and all those proverbs we use in that way. But the, the, the being better than two, uh, and he uses the word three here, uh, is fascinating because it's an application to our lives. I don't know what Solomon meant. I think he, uh, many, uh, marriage officiants apply this to the Christian life and exhort the young couples, and there might be someone here contemplating that, uh, that there is, and maybe others, I don't know, 
that they they are thinking about marriage and the marriage officiant will say use quote from Ecclesi- this verse in Ecclesiastes and I do it as well uh, and what's what is being said is that in your marriage make it a Christian marriage where there are two to help one another and that's true for all marriages making that vow and commitment but it's also special for the Christian participants in marriage why because there's three the two husband and wife and the third, their relationship together uh, with God. So we, we apply that in that way, and, and it, it uh, is certainly true uh, as applied, I believe. The big reminder is that we are created to be in fellowship. There's a picture of an old man. He's probably younger than me, but uh, in, sitting on the park bench and uh, very much alone. And he, he might be a happy guy like I am, but I, I, I just took that image to express that God made us to have those times for ourselves where we are in awe of him in the middle of creation, but he also designed us to be in relationship with one another. And uh, we're reminded of that by the Apostle Paul. God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. And if we could add the word together, all. We don't know much about this next platform in a way because none of us are kings. I don't think we are anyway that I can see in the audience. Some of us may think we're kings at times of our household or whatever. But uh, all kidding aside, he was a king and this story is interesting. It reads, better a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king. And I think he's talking about himself. You can disagree with that who no longer knows how to take warning. The youth may have come from prison to the kingship, or he may have been born in poverty within his kingdom. I saw that all who lived and walked under the sun followed the youth, the king's successor. There was no end to all the people who were there before them, but those who came later were not pleased with the successor. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. This is a story about under the sun, and I don't, know the details of where he's drawing his examples from. But there are two or three kings contrasted, I think, as I've already said. He's the first king. And then he's uh, describing himself, I think, as old, rich, and foolish. And he's acknowledging that in his life he hasn't lived the way he wanted it to turn out. But by his choice, he walked away from the wisdom and relationship with God. And he's no longer heeding warnings. And I try, I thinking that, I'm thinking that that has to do with his succession. He's trying to control the outcome of who is going to replace him. I've seen that in life too. Uh, we have a good friend, uh, keep it anonymous, uh, where they have a friend who wants them to be the ex- executors of his, of his will. And he has children and he lived a difficult life and the children uh, bear the brunt and the, the result of that. And he's not happy with the way they're living now and wants to control them after he's in the grave. And this is not uncommon, but it's so unfortunate. I mean, and who wants to be an executor of that kind of a will in the state? It's just, uh, I wouldn't want to be the lawyer trying to write it either, but he was trying to do that. And uh, it's a sad situation when your life ends. Maybe it started, started well, but didn't end well. And in the ending, not well, They try to do bizarre things to control their legacy. And that's what happens here. 
these young guys, one, one comes from within the nation, another comes from outside the nation, one's from jail, one's, one's poor, and they're both poor probably, but they rise to the king's position. And it's not exactly what happened in his life, by the way. His, his kingship went to his son, and it fell apart, as God, as, as God said it would. We've covered that before. But, uh, it was my, uh, it was my birthday last Friday. I, I won't tell you my age. It's, it's a secret. Uh, but a friend, I had lots of really nice, warm, uh, happy birthdays uh, from the assembly, from my siblings, uh, uh, some of our friends and so on. But one of my friends sent me uh, a song. Oh, there are several songs that were sent to me too, but this one was by, or it was written in 1964, way after I was born, by the way. And uh, it, was, it was entitled, Yesterday When I Was Young. And it was made famous, at least to me, by Willie Nelson, and that's who he sent, uh, I've got to be careful, uh, was sent to me. And I'm only going to quote a few lines just to see the difficulty of a, of a person, famous, rich, and looking back on his life, and this was what he, all he could sing. I'm not starting at the beginning. The thousand dreams I dreamed, the splendid things I planned, I always built to last on weak and shifting sand. I lived by night and shunned the naked light of day, and only now I see how the years ran away. I ran so fast that time and youth at last ran out. That kind of caught my attention. I never stopped to think what life was all about, and every conversation I can now recall concerned itself with me. Concerned itself with me and nothing else at all. The game of love I played with arrogance and pride, and every flame I lit too quickly, quickly died. The friends I made all seemed somehow to drift away, and only I am left on stage to end the play. There are so many songs in me that won't be sung. I feel a bitter taste of tears upon my tongue. The time has come for me to pay for yesterday when I was young. Sounds a bit like King Solomon. The next uh, topic area and wisdom area uh, on our wisdom path is about the mouth and vows. I find that interesting that at the end of these wisdom pillars, the mouth comes out with such an important part in, in his exposition of how to live for the best possible life under God. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven. You are on earth, so let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. Do not protest to the in brackets, temple messenger, my vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, stand in awe of God. I flash back to when Solomon himself made vows. And you can read the story in First Kings chapter 8. And it was at the dedication of that glorious looking temple that's up on the slide. And he prays to God at the dedication of the, of the temple. And it seems when he's writing here, 
He's remembering his own behavior from God from the time of his vows to the time that he's writing this book. That's just my sense of what's happening here. And if you reword it as from his eyes rather than observing third parties, listen to it this way. Know when you do wrong. Guard your steps before God. Listen before speaking. When speaking, use few words. Fulfill your vows made to him. All of these things have come out from him, a reflection of his life and what he's warning us to try and live in ours. If we look at the social data and surveys around questions like uh, how well do Christians do in their vows, it's interesting. I'll pick on marriage for one and, uh, with respect to anyone who's had difficulties in that area. Uh, the the uh, probability of a divorce when someone's contemplating becoming married for the first time, the probability of divorce is, varies in, during the, uh, throughout the different surveys, but it's probably 40 to 50 percent from what I can interpret in the data. Uh, so there's a 50, 40 to 50 percent chance that you're, generally speaking, that your marriage will not survive. And with God, on the topic of devote Christians under that sur- same survey, it's better, but it's not notably better. It's 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 few percentiles in the in the data. So, and that's in North America. You can look at the vows that people make when they enter a Christian college. And you can see there's some surveys around results of people who have pledged to live for God, uh, graduating from that Christian college, and they fall away. And the the data is, I don't have it in front of me. I I looked for it. uh, I found it another time, but I couldn't find it again. But it's staggering. Um, Solomon, of all people, but he is saying the right things, is exhorting us to be careful when we go into God's presence, when we go into our temple together and be before him, remembering that he is in heaven. He is God, the sovereign God, and he is our God. Let's so behave. The uh, mouth and bows, uh, just to complete, at the end of his statement, uh, the best thing that Solomon can say at the end of all of that and of all of those pillars that went before the, the stones in the wisdom walkway, he says, stand in awe of God. That's the best possible to answer our question when we started this talk. What is the best possible under the sun, but under the sun with God where we all want to live? And what does he uh, provide for us? Uh, we want to stand for him, we want to stand in him, and we want to finish well. So to summarize, as the uh, musical group uh, has uh, another uh, song for us, I hope, um, this dial that we started off with, from the, from the worst to the best, and we look at our own lives and put that gauge against and mirror what our wisdom looks like. That's our purpose here. In, in Solomon's conclusions, He wants to move people and the Lord wants to move people from wickedness and understand that judgment follows evil choices. And he wants us to be reminded that we are not just dust only, but we are made in God's creation with eternity written in our hearts and through the death and burial of the Lord Jesus Christ and his payment for sin of mankind, he provides the hope of eternity. 
And we ought to be living within that mindset each and every day that we have hope because we're not just like the animals. We are here with purpose, significance in God, and we are looking for him to guide us as we seek to serve him both individually and together. But turmoil is going to come, and we want to, he wants us to understand that he is there, ever present with us, to be with us through difficult times, and he is there personally, and he directs all around us to be a part of his plan uh, to help us through those times. He wants our lives to not be inconsequential, but be significant. And do we live with that sense of significance in our lives as we seek to live for him? And the last part is with our mouths and with our vows, with our commitments, with the way we speak, uh, we want to move from being the careless to being the reliable ones whose words stand. And we follow the vows we've made to him and make new ones as well and live for those that we make before him. May God bless us as we seek to understand the book of Ecclesiastes, but as we seek to live for him with a a focus on our wisdom uh, that comes only from God. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this time that we can spend together in your presence. I just pray that as we depart from this place, we would leave in your peace, in the knowledge of your Son, and live in your grace and love, so that others may be drawn to you. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church, where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you're in the Timmins area, or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.